All right, well, I'm stoked. I know I've already told you that about three times, um, but I want to go ahead and invite my dad up here. Uh, this is uh, the third session. I don't know if we're calling them sessions. The third part. Uh, he was here Sunday morning. He was here Sunday night. And then here we are Monday night. And so it's his last time. Would you give him a good welcome as he comes up? Thank you. All right. Is this, is this the right one? Huh? Okay. Well, good evening. Okay, before I, before I go into... Um, Teaching the word, Adam gets my stand here corrected so that I don't, I don't look like a dwarf or whatever. With it. Um, because it'll, it'll fall down here. <laughs> no, I guess it would make me look really tall. So um, anyway, I, I, we have some CDs out on the table. I'm not trying to sell them. I just want you to um, um, know what's out there. So that in case, because when you go out there and you look at it, well, what, what's this? Um, I have... Um, I have something, let me do this. I have a, 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 a series of two, two packages of CDs called Picturing, Picturing Reformation, uh, The Seven Mountains Reformed, that actually this book goes with. Now, what that is, is that helps you understand the sphere you're called into in the world. Because not everybody's called to function in the church sphere or the religious sphere. Some of you are called to business, government, education, family. Uh, you're called to uh, arts and entertainment. You're called to the media. You're called, everybody is called to something so that you realize that when you go to work every day, you're not going there just to make a living. You're going there to bring a kingdom culture into that sphere. So that's what that is all about. And, and that'll, that'll just help you. Where, where did Adam go? Okay. Um, the other one here that I have here is teaches to pray. Uh, if you want to develop a prayer life, it's a really good resource just to help you develop a prayer life. I believe that, that uh, for us to reach our destinies and fulfill our call, that we do need to learn how to pray. And then I have, let me see, I was going to... It's going to go through the apostolic and the ecclesia. This one will mess you up. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't get that one. Uh, no, it's it's about it's actually about the reformation that God's doing in the church, because because and I'm about to say something that I'm not trying to be offensive. I just I'm just so passionate about this, and and this is the truth. Our nation is in the shape it's in because of the model of the church we've had, because the church is full of entitlement. Therefore, the nation has a spirit of entitlement. And if we can get the church shifted back to a kingdom mentality that we are not here to just receive, we're actually here to establish the kingdom rule of God. Then we have a chance of taking this nation back. We actually have a chance of seeing something happen. And it, believe me, if I could get this into the hands of God's people, every pastor in America would be my friend. <laughs> because all of a sudden we would be creating an army and not necessarily just a hospital. To get people well, because we would see things being pushed through into new dimensions. So that that and like I said, that one will mess you up. Um, and then I have one called "Calls Blessing," which is is how to give strategically in a, in the first fruits principle. I won't necessarily uh, go into that, even though it's a very good principle. It changed my life and I's life. I have another one called the Apostolic Center, which is what a Apostolic Center versus a congregation looks like. These are just things that challenge our ideas concerning. Church, like I said, some of them, some of them will really challenge us and move us into some new dimensions. But then I have one called the conquest of marriage that you're going to discover that marriage is not just for companionship. When God put Adam and Eve together, he said, now go subdue the earth. Adam's Adam's mandate, Adam's mandate before Eve was in creation was to take care of the garden. But after he created Eve and put them together, their mandate became to go subdue the earth. 
See, the mandate increased because of marriage. Because, and the enemy recognizes that our marriages are supposed to be for conquest, for taking ground for the kingdom. That's why he's out to destroy marriages. It's not because he doesn't want you happy. He's out to try to destroy that which one of the things God has commissioned and ordained to establish kingdom rule. And so I actually, Mary and I have done seminars in South Africa. I've taught it in Nigeria. They want us to come to Germany and teach it because guess what? Everywhere in the world, people need help with their marriages. Because it's just, it's just a real battlefield because, because uh, uh, the enemy understands how strategic marriage is and that our marriages are not just for companionship, they're actually for conquest. Amen? So, so just, just so you kind of know what's out there, you want some of it, great. If you don't, then I'll have them, I'll have them send it someplace else. <laughs> and uh, because um, I, I go over, but I really appreciate the opportunity to get to be here. Well, we've been talking about the presence of the Lord, the power of his presence. And I know that many people got touched last night. It was so exciting and, and filled with the Holy Spirit and all those kind of things so that we can we can begin to experience his presence on a greater level. What I want to talk to you about today is the same topic, but I want to talk to you about hearing his voice. Because one of the things that we should encounter when we step into his presence or his presence comes to us is our, our spiritual ears should be open so that we can hear his voice more clearly. Now, maybe hearing his voice for some Christians is a new thought. They think, well, what do you mean hear his voice? I thought that we just read the word of the Bible. And when I read the Bible, it was God speaking to me. Well, that's true. Yes and no. But the bottom line is the Bible says and actually teaches us, as you're going to see, that we can hear the voice of God ourselves. And when we hear the voice of God, it actually has dramatic effects upon our life. Amen. And so God wants everybody to hear his voice. So I want to to begin with two verses of scripture. The first one is in Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 22, uh, because I want to establish for you that when we hear his voice or, or, or when we are in his presence, that one of the things we should and could and can encounter is his voice. In Exodus 25 and verse 22, Moses said this, and there I will meet with you. Now, where is there? That's behind the veil. He's talking about behind the veil in in what was called the holiest of the holies in the tabernacle. There were three compartments. The most holy place was the holiest of holies behind the veil. And it was where only one man went one time per year, the high priest, to offer up a sacrifice so that the sins of Israel could be rolled back one more year. Now, they did that until Jesus died on the cross. Now, our sins are not rolled back year by year. Literally, our sins are washed clean so they don't exist anymore as far as God is concerned. That's good news. Okay? Now watch this. But here he says in in Exodus 25, verse 22, and there God says to Moses, I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. See, he said, Moses, I'm going to talk to you. He said, Above the mercy seat, uh, upon the top of the Ark of the Covenant, I'm going to speak to you where the cherubims, they were, they, were, they were literally manufactured things that looked like angels because it was a pattern of what was actually in heaven. He said, whenever you come into this place, the presence of God is going to be so strong and I'm going to speak to you in that place. I'm going to speak to you in that. I'm going to meet with you there 
and I'm going to speak to you. God has always wanted to speak to his people. He actually said to Joshua, Moses said to Joshua, God would that all his people were prophets. What does that mean? God wants everybody to hear his voice. It's not for an exclusive group. It's for whoever will. It's for whoever will believe him. God wants to come and from his presence, he wants to speak to us. He wants us to hear his voice. Now, look at me in first Samuel chapter three. And this is a really neat story because this is where Samuel actually was introduced to the voice of God. Because Samuel was called to be a prophet, but he had never heard the voice of God. And so it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verses 1 through 10, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had began to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you call me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be... If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times. And Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. And God began to speak to him. Now I have to tell you a personal story on that. I was debating on whether to do this or not. When I was 12 years old, we came out of a denominational church that did not believe in the things of the Spirit. And we came into the things of the Spirit. What I mean by that is we suddenly realized there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We suddenly realized there were gifts that could operate. I'll touch those in just a moment. And, and my whole world went from dark to day. Because we were a part of a group called the Church of Christ. And I can talk about them because we were a part. And listen, they don't have any music. They only believe in the New Testament. And they are as legal, as full of legalism as you can possibly be and as dead, in my estimation, as you can possibly be. So the first day that as a 12-year-old boy, I walked into a charismatic service and people had their hands up and were clapping and singing with joy. It was like, I have found my people. And I was only 12 because, because there was life that was there. When we got introduced to the things of the Spirit, my, my dad started moving in some of the gifts and prophecy and all this kind of thing. And I had a desire for this. So in the middle of this, they began to hold a Bible study at our house where we lived. And, and so that was going on. Okay, So I'm, getting, I'm getting, really getting inundated in this whole charismatic you know, movement that's happening at that time, which would have been the early 70s. 
So my, my brother, I have a twin brother, and I mean, I'm sorry, but he's, he's, he's uh, uglier and, and dumber than I am. But, or we could say I'm smarter and prettier, whichever way you, whichever way you want to go. But, but the bottom line is, I think the latter is better. Anyway, uh, um, um, my twin brother and I, we were both 12 years old, obviously, he's my twin. And, and, <laughs> and I had, I had, I had uh, nephews as well. I had three nephews that were real close to our age because I have an older sister that's like 18 years older than I am. So we were more brothers than we were, you know, other kind of relatives, uncles and nephews for sure. And so they would always be in our house. And so we were in, it's a Saturday night and they're at my house. And the antenna, we want to watch a certain channel on TV. Well, to watch a certain channel on TV in those days, you had to go turn the antenna. Because we had to go outside and turn it toward Dallas. Because you're not going to get the channels from Dallas unless you turn the antenna. Because there was no such thing as cable at that point. I know that some of you young guys, you're like, no cable? What do you mean no cable? There was no cable. Or internet or anything else for that matter. You had to go turn the antenna. So somebody was going to have to go out in the dark and turn the antenna. That was my job. So I got up, they're all watching the TV, and we want to watch something on another channel. So I go outside. Now, the antenna was on the dark side of the house where the fence and the house came together. There was no light back there, and I mean it was dark. So, you know, I wasn't thinking a whole lot. I mean, I I walked out the door, went around, walked around the corner, was heading for the antenna in the corner. And the moment I got into the dark, I heard this voice, an audible voice, call my name. Robert. I mean, it wasn't my imagination. I heard this voice. I don't even know that I turned the antenna. I went running back in the house because I thought my brothers, it was so real, I thought my brothers and my nephews had slipped down and were on the other side of the fence trying to scare me. And when I got back in the house, they had moved. I thought, I didn't tell anybody. I thought, they'll think I'm nuts. So I didn't tell anybody. So we went on with life. One week later, same scenario. Need the antenna change at Saturday night so we can watch our television show. I had completely forgot, completely forgot about it. I go back outside and went to the same place to turn the antenna. The moment I rounded the corner, the same voice again called my name. This time when it said, Robert, I said, what do you want? Because I was scared and I didn't know what was going on. And, and nothing came back. And again, I went back in the house and there they all were. Nobody had moved. And so I never told anybody. Okay, fast forward probably six, seven years. Because now I'm married, young, newly married. And we're at the church. And my dad, which is an elder in the church, we're, we're broke up in groups. And he's leading the group I'm in. And he's talking about the spirit of fear. So he's, we're talking about the spirit of fear, and he's leading us in a Bible study. And, and, and I said, you know, I, I had a real uh, 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 occurrence back many years ago with fear. And they said, what happened? And I, and I started relating the story I just told you. And everybody looked at me like, because, see, I thought because it scared me, it was the devil. That's what I thought. I thought because it scared me, it was the devil. So I, I related it to the devil. My dad didn't say anything, continued to lead the group. When the group was over, he said, Robert, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he said, that was not the devil. And I didn't know the Bible well enough. No, he took me to 1 Samuel 3. He said, that was the Lord. And if you'd have known how to answer him, like Eli was instructed to answer him, there's no telling what he would have told you. 
And I thought, really? Because everybody knew I was called. Everybody knew I was called. And I was trying to fight it, but everybody knew it, including me. And, and so that was like a revelation to me. Okay, so, so I thought, that, I, I knew that was God. I knew it was God speaking audible to me. I actually heard his audible voice one other time. So now fast forward even more years. And one night after I'm leading the church in Waco, I have this dream. And in this dream, my Bible is open to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I'm told by a voice in my dream, put my hands on 1 Samuel chapter 3. And when I did, I felt the power of the word go into my hands. And and as the power of the word went into my hands, the voice in my dream said, from this point on, you will begin to function in the supernatural. And to my amazement, that started happening. You see, what I believe was that if I'd have known how to respond properly to the Lord when I was 13 years old, I could have had something operating in my life probably 20 years before I actually did. Because I believe that the dream was God coming back around and fulfilling. All I'm trying to get you to see out of that is this. If you will know that the voice of God is real, you don't have to have the experience I've had, but the voice of God is real. You can speed up what God has for you when you learn to hear him. Because it's his heart for all of us to hear him and hearken to him and develop a relationship with him that will allow us to hear. Now, let me just give you some scriptures to help you realize God's speaking today. Um, in First Corinthians 12, 1 through 2, I'll come back to that again later here in just a moment. Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, that word gifts is in italics, so it's not really there. He's basically talking about spiritual manifestations. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. That's what he's saying to them. And yet there is great ignorance in the church today about spiritual things. We have dumbed it down so far because we're afraid of it. Listen, be afraid of it. This is this is our life. This is our life. God doesn't want us afraid of it. He wants he doesn't want us to dumb it down. He wants us to elevate it. So Paul said, I, I'm writing this to you so you won't be ignorant concerning spiritual things. And then watch this. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. We think the word dumb means to be stupid. But that's not what the word dumb means. The word dumb in the Greek there literally means to be speechless. So he says, look, you used to serve gods that couldn't talk. That's not the case anymore. You're serving God, a God that does talk today. You're no longer serving a dumb God that cannot communicate to you because he actually does not exist. You are actually now serving a God who has a lot to say and he's looking for somebody that can be willing to hear him. Because he wants all of us to hear him. So we're no longer serving dumb idols, speechless idols. We're serving a God that wants to talk to us. Amen. Amen. Now, let me. Why, why should we desire to hear the voice of God? Why should we desire it? Why, what's the big deal about it? Well, you know, for me, before I even go into some of the points, when I was 12 years old and just coming into this stuff, I thought this is wonderful. You mean you mean God, you mean God will talk to me. That would just that would just blow me away that the God of the universe would tell me stuff. 
See, why? Because he loves to find people he can share his secrets with. So you need to understand that about him. God has secrets that he wants to share them with, with people that he can trust with those secrets. See, he's looking for someone he can speak to. It just blows me. To this day, it blows me away when God tells me stuff. I mean, I've, I've like, like, for instance, every, every recession and, and every recession and every economic problem we've had in America in the last, I would say, 20 years, I've been told about it before it happened. I don't know why. I do not know why. For instance, when, when the 2008 housing market collapsed, and everything got thrown into the place it got thrown into. About four or five months before that happened, I had a dream. And in the dream, I don't invest in the stock market. I'm not smart enough to do it. I don't have money to do it. Those are two, two really primary reasons. Um, and, 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 but for whatever reason, I saw the Dow Jones. And it was in the form of a gauge. And I saw it fall rapidly. to, a, And there was a line on it. And I knew if it went below that line, that it would be destroyed to the point of no return. But I knew, I couldn't tell by the naked eye, but I knew that it had not gone below that line. And I knew three things. I knew that, number one, there was a horror associated with its fall. I knew, number two, that... that um, uh, um, that, that something was happening that we had been told could not happen, that safeguards had been put in the place that would not allow this to happen. And then number three, that those who were rightly positioned were about to make a lot, a lot, a lot of money because it was going to go back up. I knew that. So I went to those that I was in relationship with, some very big names, and I said, look, I had this dream. And I tell you, I've had stuff like this before, and I'm telling you, the market's going to fall. And I remember one guy looked at me and he said, <laughs> Chase the market's gonna fall. <laughs> he started laughing at me. As with several other situations in my life, he came back later. He said, What did you see in that dream? Because I saw exactly what happened in 2008 and was told about it. Those who knew me best and trusted me, they actually took their money out of 401ks and, and they were saved. They, they took their money out put it in different places, all these kind of things. And see, to this day, I say, why did you tell me that, God? I don't know why you told me that. I don't, I don't have a realm of influence on that level that I could have sounded a trumpet and warned people. I don't know why you told me that. But see, what am I saying? God's looking for some people he can share his secrets with. And listen, listen, listen. And we look at this name and this name and this name. Listen, sometimes just because they have a name doesn't mean heaven recognizes them. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that heaven doesn't recognize them. But I am saying that God's got a, little bit, a lot of little bitty unknowns and nobodies that, that have a secret place with him. That have a secret. They've cultivated a relationship. And he loves to tell them his secrets. He loves to tell them his secrets. Who do you tell your secrets to? The ones you feel the closest to. I tell my wife my secrets. Because she's the closest one to me. Who does God tell his secrets to? Those that are the closest to him. 
He's looking for people to speak to. I remember one time I was associate pastor at the church that raised me up. And I went into the pastor's office. I said, Brother James, I, I need to tell you a dream I had last night. As you can tell, God does speak to me in dreams a lot. But it's just been that, that's just been a primary way he's spoken for years. That's not the only way, but it's one of the ways. And I said, we were in a civil war, Brother James. And we went marching off to war against our adversary. And we came back laughing because they had no weapons. And we realized this isn't a battle. They don't even have any weapons. And Brother James said, well, I don't know what that means, Brother Robert. He said, everything's fine. An hour later, an hour, all of a sudden the principal of the school, it be, we became aware that he had raised up people from the church and was taking them out of a church to start another church. And we were in a civil war. And Brother James came to my office. He said, guess what I just found out? He starts telling me, he said, now you did say they didn't have any weapons, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. And they didn't. It was just this little blimp on the screen, little bump in the road. It was nothing because God gave us a prophetic word and spoke to us. My pastor, and nobody would know him other than he has just been a faithful, faithful, faithful man for years. Some of you won't even realize this, but years ago, before the big scandal with Jimmy Swaggart happened, um, and I loved Jimmy Swaggart back in those days. I, I, I just thought he was great, and he was having a tremendous impact in the world and, and all this. But in the middle of this, nobody ever dreamed anything was going on. I came into the office one day, and Brother James said, I had a dream last night. I said, you did? He said, he said I was in a crusade where Jimmy Swaggart was, was ministering. And he said, I was on the ground looking up at the platform and I was up close to the platform. And he said, Jimmy Swaggart came down. And he reached down and he shook my hand. And he said, I thought, Jimmy Swaggart shook my hand. And he said, but then when he went on, I looked and I could see up underneath the platform. And he said, I realized the platform was built on toothpicks and it was going to fall. And it did. You say, why would God, why would God tell somebody that? He's just looking for somebody to share his secrets with. And maybe we can pray. Maybe we can change things. But the bottom line is he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to me. He wants us to hear his voice. And it, it may not be through dreams. It may be through other ways because there's so many different ways God speaks to us. But he wants us to hear. Amen? So, so let, me, let me give you uh, some reasons that God wants to speak to us. Number one, it is our right and destiny as his people. It is our right and our destiny as his people. John 10, 2 through 5, uh, 2 through 5 Jesus talks about uh, him being the shepherd of the sheep, the door to the sheep. It said he comes to his sheep, he calls his own sheep by name, he leads them out. And then it says this wonderful thing, his own sheep follow him for they know his voice and they will by, by no means follow a stranger. They will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. In other words, the whole idea behind this scripture is, is if you belong to him... You ha should have an expectation that you will hear his voice. That if you belong to him, you will hear his voice. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to bring impressions into your spirit. He wants you to understand what he's saying. He doesn't want his will to be a mystery to you. 
Now, many times we don't see everything clearly because the Bible says we do see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. So, so even the best of us, there are times where, where we, we, we may see semblances and understandings, but the bottom line is it is our destiny. It is our heritage. It is our right to hear from him. He said, if we are his sheep, he will call us by name. He will lead us out. Now, the idea here is, is that many flocks would come together, especially at night, and there would be this sheepfold that would be created and all these flocks of sheep would be there. But then in the morning when the shepherd came, he wouldn't have to go round up his sheep. He would literally go just and, and lift up his voice and call his sheep by name. And the sheep that belonged to him would recognize his voice, but a strange voice they wouldn't recognize. And they would come to him. How I many know Jesus is our good shepherd? I just want to say something else here. He is our good shepherd. He, his voice is the one that we should we should desire to hear. But God also will take His shepherd, or excuse me, His voice as shepherd, and He will let other voices, human voices, resonate with His voice. What does that mean? That means you'll hear His voice in somebody else's voice, and you'll know where you're supposed to. You say, well, "I don't know where I should go to church." Where do you hear the shepherd's voice? It's really simple. Where do you hear the shepherd's voice? That's where you're supposed to be. It's really that simple. What do I mean? I mean the voice of the shepherd coming from the shepherds that God has set in a house will affirm to you where you're supposed to be connected. Number two, knowing his voice helps establish our identity. I need to do these quick. John 10 through through 5 again. It says he calls his own sheep by name. Whenever you call someone by name, that means you are identifying them or you are, are establishing their identity. Their identity. Do you know that one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ today is lack of identity? We don't know who we are. And the devil comes and exploits our lack of identity. Let me define identity for you. Identity is simply the innermost thoughts you think about yourself. That's what identity is. The innermost thoughts you think about yourself, and I could add this, that nobody but you knows. That's your identity. And so many people's identities are not are not complete, or they are warped. But see, when you hear His voice, your identity starts getting established. Your identity starts being established. Why? Because He's talking to you. He calls you by name. Remember, remember Mary Magdalene whenever she was at the tomb. And she thought that Jesus, the risen Savior, was a gardener. And said, tell me where you've laid Him, and I'll go get Him. And all Jesus had to do was say, Mary... Instantly, she recognized him because she she recognized him when he called her name. Because her, and because and, and it's, it's, it's all interwoven. It's so significant that when we recognize him, we also recognize ourselves. It says, my life is hid with Christ in God. And when he shall appear, Colossians 3, then shall I also appear with him in glory. That's not necessarily talking about the second coming. coming. That's talking about when I see who he is, all of a sudden I know who I am. So where does that come from? Hearing his voice. When he reveals himself to you, when you hear his voice, I, I'm going to tell you, whenever I have heard his voice, 
it so settles me. Because if I'm important enough for him to speak to, I'm important enough. And all of a sudden, I don't have to struggle with who I am anymore. I don't have to try to measure up with someone else. Which the Bible says is foolishness. But literally, my identity is established because I've heard his voice. Number three, a third thing that occurs as we hear his voice, and this is really important, is seasons change. Seasons change. Song of Solomon 2, verses 10 through 13. Here's what he says. My beloved spoke. He's just talking about the bride to the bridegroom. Or the, excuse me, the bridegroom to the bride. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. So the bridegroom is speaking to the bride. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing is come, the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land, the trees, uh, the fig tree puts forth their green figs, and the vine with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Notice, it's his voice that changed the season. See, I know many people that need the season changed. They are so tired of the same season. You've been stuck in the same cycle, in the same season, in the same time. And the same stuff just keeps repeating itself. And you can't get out of the season and get on into what God has for you. The reason the season hasn't changed is because you've yet to hear His voice. Because it's His voice heard and responded to that changes the season. Rise up, my beloved, and come away. Why? Because the season has changed. The winter is past. The rain is over. Come on. It's time to step into springtime. And the only way you can do that is because you've heard his voice. Because it's his voice that changes the season. See, in the natural, the season changes by the calendar. But in the spirit, the season changes at his voice. You see, when you hear the fresh word of the Lord, all of a sudden things change. It, it can be just like that. Things change. Things move into order because you're hearing his voice. See, if you can't hear his voice, you might be destined to stay stuck where you are. And most people I know don't want to be stuck. They want to get unstuck and get out of that season they're in and move into the next place. I do. I do. And sometimes I'm so desperate to get out of the season that I want to make something up. Like I heard his voice. I remember one time I went into Brother Walker's office, the guy that raised me up. And he was such a fabulous Bible teacher. And I would watch him every time we would have a service. And I would think, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I couldn't see a thing. I'd read the Bible and I couldn't see a thing in it. It was just words, and I, nothing was there. I couldn't come up with anything, but I would try so hard. And I remember I, remember I was reading Matthew 13, and I, I got in there, and, and I made this mean this, and I made this mean this, and I made this mean this, and I thought, well, I've got a revelation from God. I'm hearing God. So I went into Brother Walker's office, and I said, Brother James, can I talk to you for a minute? He said, sure, come on in. He was sitting behind his desk. He had his glasses on, and I started in sharing with him the revelation the Lord gave me. He's looking now. He's looking over the top of his glasses, and so I'm I'm sharing it. And as I'm sharing it, he's just kind of sitting there, and he looks at me. He says, "I don't think so, Brother Robert." It was like a dagger in my heart. 
Because I was so, I knew he was right. But I thought, I'll never be able to do this. I remember I went over to the school because I was the janitor and I was supposed to be cleaning the floors. And, and I sat down with my back against the wall and I just began to weep. Not because it wasn't a revelation, but because I so desperately wanted to hear his voice. And I couldn't. I just began to weep. Next thing I know, Brother Walker, Brother Walker is there by my side. He said, what's, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, Brother James. I just don't know what to do. But you see, something marvelous happened. God saw my desperation. And all I can tell you is that there came a time where it was like God took his finger and flipped a switch on the inside of me. And I can open that Bible and I can have you a sermon in two minutes. I can. I, I mean, it, it just comes out off the page at me because it's a gift because God flipped the switch on the inside of me. I mean, I could make a fortune just writing sermons for other preachers. <laughs> but see, I was so desperate to hear him. And I know God saw that. I know he saw that. I'm still desperate to hear him. Number four, his voice also produces a commissioning. First Kings nineteen eleven through sixteen, Mo, uh, Elijah is in the cave, running from Jezebel, and I won't go into the whole story, but he's there, and God comes. The Bible says a wind storm comes, a lightning storm, fire, if you will, comes, an earthquake hits. It says, but God was in none of those, and all of a sudden Elijah heard the still small voice. And God said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He said, you don't understand, God. I'm the only one left. He said, no, you're not. I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee. So get up. Get out of your pity party. Take your oil and go anoint. And Jehu, Elisha, and the other one. I can't remember exactly who it was. And he commissioned him. He commissioned him with a fresh assignment. You see, every commissioning must come because we've heard the voice of God. I don't just decide to go do something. I have to be commissioned by the Lord to go do that. I can't just come up with a great idea. Because believe me, I can come up with a great idea. You're looking at, one of, you're looking at the idea man. Whenever I was leading the work in Waco, Texas, they would literally say, all my staff, I had 20 people on staff, and all the guys on staff, they said they would, I found out later, they would tell each other, don't let him go to the water fountain by himself. He'll come back with another idea. Because I can come up with ideas because I was so full of vision. But guess what? A lot of the ideas I came up with, they weren't even, they weren't God. They were great ideas. But guess what? You, you have to hear his voice because it's his voice that commissions you for your next assignment. You see, we must always depend on what do, you, what do you do until you hear his voice? You hold steady. You hold steady until he decides to speak. You may have, listen, you may have some suspicions. 
You know what I mean by that? I mean, you may have some concepts, some ideas of where you think he might go, but don't go until you hear his voice. That means we're going to have to cultivate and develop the ability to hear his voice. Because when he heard the still, small voice, not the wind, not the fire, not the earthquake, the still, small voice. You see, you've got to understand how powerful this still, small voice is. The Lord said this to me years ago when Jesus was at the River Jordan and John baptized him. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon him in the form of a dove. A dove is a very gentle creature. And the Lord said this to me, don't you ever mistaken my gentleness for powerlessness. Because there is great power in my gentleness. So God comes to Elijah, this mighty prophet, not in the earthquake, earthquake, not in the fire, not in the wind, but in a still, small voice. And it's that still whisper from God that commissions you. It's that, it's that, again, it's that secret place with him that you hear him, that you are launched to, to go and have an impact in the world. I say, Lord, let me hear that still, small voice. Number five, the, the last one, I mean, there's so many others, but, but this is the last one I'm going to do on this. The voice of the Lord releases the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said to you in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 2? It says, now concerning spiritual things, spiritual gifts, spiritual manifestations, I don't want you to be ignorant. For you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Then from that point on, he launches into a list of the nine ways or nine ways that the Holy Spirit can move and manifest himself. Why, why, why does he say you're not serving a speechless idol anymore? Because the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit are a result of hearing his voice. Everybody wants to know, how can I move in the gifts of the Spirit? Hear his voice. See, what are those nine? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Those are the speaking gifts. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirit. Those are the revelation gifts. Gifts of faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. Those are the power gifts. But every one of them require hearing His voice. How do I know what to do, with whom, where? I hear His voice. And I do whatever He tells me to do. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. In other words, I'm in direct communication with Him. And the reason these things operate in my life is because I hear His voice. Now, when it says there that, that the Spirit is given, and it talks about the manifestations of the Spirit, the word manifestations is the Greek word phanerosis. That's the Greek word. There's, there's, there's three different lists in the New Testament uh, of gifts. This, is the, the, this gift is the Greek word phanerosis gifts. And it means the dancing hand of God. In other words, you could be in a gathering like this, and all of a sudden, the hand of God will, will land on you. And you'll be stirred with a prophetic unction. Or with a supernatural not ability to have knowledge or wisdom or, or whatever it may be. You see, that's, that's what he's talking about in First Corinthians 1. Now, now, watch this. 
we, because we're afraid it's going to freak everybody out that comes through the doors, we don't want to, we don't want to, we're, we're afraid to function there in the church anymore. Listen, this is the power of the church. Now, what, what should we do? We should learn to operate in the gifts or the manifestations. Watch what I'm about to say and package it correctly. Somebody says, well, I couldn't help myself. Then it's not the spirit of the Lord. Because the spirit of the Lord, the Bible says, even a prophet, his spirit is subject. uh, the, The spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. In other words, you never lose control. If you lost control, it's not God. Well, I just couldn't help myself. Well, come, let me cast the demon out of you. Because that's not the spirit of the Lord. That's something else besides the spirit of the Lord. So I have discovered, see, I had a dream years ago. It's moving in the healing anointing. And in the dream, I was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I was conducting a healing service in Oprah's studio audience. And I woke up and I thought, Ted, come in, it was just a dream. <laughs> but guess what? The Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to teach you how to take this mainstream. See, I was just in a church in Germany. Listen, you can't get any more seeker-sensitive than this church in Germany. But guess what? They bring this American in to teach them how to function in healing. Which is one of the gifts here. So for three days, I teach them principles of functioning in healing. And I tell them, you don't have to stop being who you are. You just need to release the Holy Spirit and package it up correctly. And people started getting healed. And I got a report just the other day. The pastor has now taken my teachings that I did for three days. And he is presenting it into the church on an ongoing basis. And they are seeing healings taking place because they had a prophetic word from years gone by that they would be a center for healing. And they have not stopped being who they are. They just realize we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul even addressed this. In the Corinthian church, they were all speaking in tongues. Like a bunch of crazy people. And he said, will not the unbeliever and the unlearned come in and say, are not these, are all these people crazy? Aren't they not mad? What was he saying? He was saying, you're not packaging it correctly. Don't deny it exists. Don't stop it. Learn to use the gifts of the Spirit But it's okay to package it correctly. Does that make sense to you? Because, you see, to me, we have to have the power. And see, here, the operating in these gifts is a result of hearing His voice. Some of the greatest miracles that I've seen was me just hearing, sensing, feeling that God wanted to do something for someone. And then just moving in wisdom and releasing him to do it. See, we get to thinking, you know, that we want Jesus to fit in our box. Jesus says, if you'll just listen to me, I'll show you how to take all of this and release it in power. Now, listen, you got to understand, at my core, remember I came out of the Church of Christ into charismatic, charismania. 
I can get as wild as they can get. When I'm here with you, I fit into your culture. When I was in the church in Germany, I fit into their culture. You pick me up and drop me in a Pentecostal circle, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I can fit into their culture. You say, how can you do that? Because I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. It's a grace God gave me. I'm really, really adaptable. I can go anywhere and do anything at any time. And they think I'm one of them. You say, well, I don't know whether I like that or not. Paul said, I became all things to all men. I know how to adapt myself in the circles I'm in. But regardless of how we do that, we should all have the freedom. Whatever I hear him say, I'm going to do. Amen. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him because that's a part of his presence. Okay. Now, I'm going to do the others really quick. I know we need to. It's, it's school and work night and whatever. Let me give you the keys to hearing his voice. That's just some things that happen when we hear his voice. Let me give you the keys to hearing his voice. Is this helping you okay? Okay, let me, let me give you the keys to hearing his voice. Number one, out of, out of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. Realize that, doesn't, that God doesn't want the word of the Lord to be rare. It says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Why? Because there was no one to hear God. You've got to understand, God's always speaking. He just doesn't have anybody to hear him. I believe that with every fiber of my being. God's always talking. God's not trying to hold things back. He simply does not have anyone to hear him. So what God did was he didn't want the word of the Lord to be rare or just occasional. So what he did was he raised up this, this young boy named Samuel and great gave him a hearing ear. Because God does not want the word of the Lord to be rare. So that's good news for any of us that wants to hear his voice. He's looking for conduits. He's looking for people to reveal himself to and show them the word of the Lord. Because he wants people to hear his word. I even said there was a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. But that can also imply the fact that if you don't, if there's not those who can hear God's word, then there's going to be those that... That, that, that will be cut off from what God wants to do. So the reason that God moved upon Samuel and began to correct the situation was he doesn't want it to be a rare thing. He wants it to be something that is, that is available, accessible. I love what Bill Johnson and them say. He says, the kingdom of God is near you. That means it's within your reach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's in your reach. Listen, hearing God is within your reach. It's available to you. Number two, God wants to reveal his voice to you. 1 Samuel 3, 7. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. I want you to know something supernatural had to happen for Samuel to hear his voice. Here's what I find. Many times people are hearing the voice of God. They just don't know it. They just don't know it. They're getting impressions. They're feeling things. Something's coming to them from the word of God. A dream's been had. They're seeing visions. I don't, I'm going to just share this about Adam. It just comes to me. 
Adam for years said, when, he, when I would pray, when we would be in settings and I would pray, he would start seeing things. He would see things. He said, he, and he thought it was his imagination. He thought he was daydreaming. He thought his mind was running crazy while dad was over here praying and doing his stuff. And he said, but we had some people come through that helped him understand that literally the reason he saw things when I prayed, because he said he didn't see anything when anybody else prayed. He only saw it when I prayed. So either this is the spirit of God or I'm a really boring prayer. Because he said, every time I would start to pray, he said he would just start seeing these things. And he began to realize because my prayers were opening up a spiritual dimension that he was seeing into. And he began to tell me what, I, what he was seeing. And I began to realize I need to take what he's seeing and I need to know that what he's seeing is showing me what I need to touch in prayer so that I can take my prayers and not just give them shotgun blasts, but actually let them become laser beams that does move things in the spirit realm. And we started seeing massive things change. But he was seeing it all the time for years and thought it was his imagination when it was really God. I promise you that is the case for I would wager to say 75% of the body of Christ. God is showing them things. They're hearing his voice, but they just have never really thought that was God. I remember I was I asked God for years, years. God, give me the word of knowledge. Give me the word of knowledge for healing. Give me the word of knowledge for healing. There's no telling how many times I prayed. Let me hear your voice. I want the word of knowledge for healing. I was leading a small group. Probably had 20 to 30 people in it. Had led it for years. And, and I would be sitting in that as, as, as worship would be going on. I'd be worshiping. And all of a sudden this thought about somebody would come to me. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking that? And I just keep worshiping. And then another thought would come over here about this person. And I thought, that's crazy. And finally I thought, wait, could that be the word of knowledge for these people? And I thought, well, I'll never know unless I try. And I would say, hey, is this an issue? <laughs> and all of a sudden they would get healed. And this, I mean, listen, when you've got hundreds and thousands there, you can throw stuff out there. You're going to, listen, you got the law of averages working for you. Sometimes I tell people when they're trying to move into healing, look, you got thousands here. Just chunk something out there. You're going to hit something. <laughs> but when you got 20 or 30 in the room and you're pinpointing somebody and they said, yeah, that's me. All of a sudden I realized I'd been hearing God and didn't even know it. I'd been asking him for stuff that he had given me, but I was completely missing it. Why? Because the word of the Lord hadn't been revealed to me yet. He was talking to me, but I was missing. I promise you, in this room, that's true for you. For many of you, you are hearing things and you just haven't put two to two together. You're not real good at math. You haven't figured it out yet. But once you do, it, life is going to get really exciting because what I'm talking to you about puts adventure in life. Now, I need for you to understand something. There are going to be times you're going to miss it. That's okay. Good Lord, if I had to hit it every time, I'd just go sit on my hands somewhere. I don't have to hit it every time. I, I have the liberty to be wrong. 
I reserve the right to be wrong. Because my heart is, I'm trying to learn just like everybody else. See, see we, we, we get everybody so, so straight and narrow. I had a friend one time. He's a, he was a, he's a prophet. He's actually a prophet. Who is Bill Fowler over in Spokane now? But we were on staff of the church in, in Waco together. And he had a dream one night that, that he, and he could prophesy, man, he could prophesy the wallpaper off the wall. But he had a dream one night that he was standing on a two by four trying to prophesy and trying to balance himself. And he kept, you know, fall, falling off and he would get back on it. And God spoke to him. He said, you're trying to be too accurate. Just let my spirit flow. Quit thinking about it so much. And just let my spirit flow. So he said in the dream, suddenly he just jumped off the two by four. That he was trying to balance himself. And he just let it rip tater chip. <laughs> let her rip tater chip. <laughs> See, you'll never forget this. Get at the Texas term. <laughs> I got some more of them if you want them. <laughs> okay, so but but what he did, he would just he just he he quit trying to be so restrained. What happened? The flow of the spirits. See, we can we can be so worried about being right that we actually shut down the move of the Spirit. And it doesn't help when everybody that's sitting out here judging everything. It doesn't help either. Because, listen, I would rather have the, the rightness of the move of the Spirit than everything just exactly perfect. Because God didn't call me to be perfect. If He did, He's not really doing a real good job at it. Because I'm not perfect and I won't be this side of heaven. So God wants to reveal his voice. I sense he's doing that right now. Number, number three. I need, I got some other things, but we could just cut through that. To hear God, we must be willing and submit and have a submitted heart. First Samuel three, three through five. I love this about Samuel. Here's Samuel doesn't know it's God talking to him, thinks it's Eli. And he gets up every time he hears his voice and he goes to Eli. And he said, you called. And he said, I didn't call. Go back to bed. Why do you keep coming here and waking me up for? Now, listen, I have to respect Samuel because what this, what this exemplifies is a willing, submitted heart. Because I have to think about the third or fourth time you go in to Eli, he's like, boy, if you come back in here again, because listen, if my kid came into my bedroom for the fourth time and said, you call me. And I said, I did not. And if you come back in here again, I'm going to prove it to you that I did not call you. Because I don't know what kind of silly game you're playing here. But daddy's sleepy. And maybe you're different than me. But the bottom line is, I look at, e I mean, I look at Samuel and I think, here he is, just keep going back. Why? Because he has such a willing and submitted and a heart to please. See, that is so, such a righteous thing to God that I'm, I'm here for you. I, 
All I want to do is serve you. All I want to do is help you. Isn't it interesting that that was the heart that was in, was in Samuel? And as a result, God kept speaking to him, kept speaking to him, because he had this, this spirit about him that wanted to serve, wanted to help. There's, again, there's a lot of different things. But number four, I need to get finished. The fourth key is, and this is really important, we need to be in our place. See, 1 Samuel 3, 9, it says that finally Eli realizes, you know what? God's talking to this boy. And he tells him, he said, you go lie back down. And if he, if he comes again, if he comes again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And it says, and Samuel, I love this, Samuel went and lay down in his place. Every one of us in this room have a place. Here's the problem. We want to hear God for a nation when we haven't heard God for our own personal life. We have to be in our place. And if God hasn't called you to, to affect the nation, he's probably not going to speak to you about a nation. If he hasn't called you to have an effect in the church, he's probably not going to speak to you about the church. The Bible says, know those who labor among you. Maybe I could just meddle for just a little bit. Don't come into this church or any other church and go tell the leaders, I have a word for this church and you're not even committed to this church. Listen, you better be glad they're here because they'd probably be a whole lot more merciful than me. I'd show you out the door. Because if you're not committed, this isn't your place and God ain't going to talk to you about this place. Excuse me very much. I don't know why I feel like I need to say that, but I need to say that. Because, because, because God will only speak to you about your place. And when you're in your place, if I'm trying to live outside my place, then I will not hear a thing from God. I need to know I'm in. See, that Paul talked about the measurement of rule. That's called the metron, which means basically a sphere or a boundary. A sphere or a boundary. And he said the idea is we have to stay within our sphere, within our boundary, within our place. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, about verse 12. We have to stay within our sphere, our boundary. Because when we're in our sphere, when we're in our boundary, God will speak to us. If I'm outside of it, then God says, I don't have anything to say to you. Not until you get back in your boundary. Does that make sense? It's interesting that Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then the fifth thing, the final thing, is that, and I love this, is that know that God will continue to speak to you until you get it. You see, it's in 1 Samuel 3 and verse 10, it says that Samuel went back, laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood and called as at other times. In other words, God didn't say, I am sick of messing with you. I, this is the fourth time I've been here. I've been here three times. You keep thinking it's Eli. I'm tired of messing with you. God didn't say that. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because he is committed to you hearing him. See, I used, in my younger years, I thought, oh, if I miss God, if I miss God, he'll never come again. He'll never come again. That is a lie of the devil. Now, if I hear him and refuse to obey him, now I got a problem. Okay? But, but if, if my heart is to hear him, if my heart is to obey him, he's going to keep coming and he's going to keep teaching me 
over. Listen, I've been at this since I was 12, 43 years ago. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I suspect I'm going to keep on learning. I suspect there's going to still be times when I think I heard God that I didn't hear God. I suspect there's going to be times when I heard God that I didn't think I heard God. I suspect there's going to be times where I know I heard him. I'm still learning. God's patient. See, he promises, I will perfect that which concerns you. So don't get down on yourself if you miss it. Welcome to the club. And don't come around me and try to make out like you got it all figured out because you don't. And if I come across like I got it all figured out, I'm lying because I don't. I'm still trying to hear him. I'm still trying to hear him. And ever how many more years God gives me on this earth, I'll still be trying to hear him. And when I know I've heard him, I'm going to tell you I know I heard him. See, I love this about the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, for instance. He's talking about marriage. And that's what he says. He said, I have this as a commandment from the Lord. I know I heard God, so I'm telling you, this is his commandment. And then he says, now this other stuff, this is just my, my, uh, this, this is just my, my, um, how, what was the term he used? This is just my idea. This is just what I think God would want. He, he's so honest. I know I heard God here. But I can't say I heard him, heard him for sure, but I'm going to give you my best shot. And I'm going to give you my wisdom and I'm going to give you my counsel. But I can't say this is what God's saying. I'm just telling you this as one who has obtained mercy from the Lord. I love that. Because even the Apostle Paul made distinctions between what he had heard and what he felt like was just the wisdom of the Lord, but left room that he could be wrong. Amen? So how many of you want to hear God's voice? I do. I want to hear His voice. Stand up with me if you would. In His presence, we just want to hear His voice. You're holy, Lord Jesus. Maybe you could just start praying in the Spirit for just a moment. Because I just would love for the Holy Spirit to come and just unlock something in the Spirit tonight and just give us a hearing ear that that even as it said to uh, Samuel the word of the Lord was revealed to him it was revealed to him it came to him and from that point on the Bible says about Samuel that God was so with him that he let none of his words fall to the ground none of them fall to the ground whatever Samuel prophesied and said God was doing God said I'm going to back you up He let none of his words fall to the ground. Say, Lord, let me hear you like that. Let me hear you like that for my own life. I know there's many of you in this room. You need to hear the Lord for your own life. You need to hear the Lord for your family. You need to hear the Lord for your your, your career. You need to hear the Lord for your destiny. You need to hear the the Lord for your assignment so so, so that you're commissioned by the Lord into the assignment God has for you. God wants you to hear his voice. Thank you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. 
We adore you, Lord. Open our ears. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to hear you. Open my ears. I admit to you, Lord, that I, I haven't heard as well as I want to hear. Open my ears. I am the sheep of your pasture. Lord, come by your grace and your mercy and open my ears to hear. Give me ears to hear. That was the spirit of the Lord is speaking even to me in Jesus name. You guys were doing a song. It wasn't the last song. Maybe it was the one before that. I'm trying to remember what it was. Which one did you guys do? If I see it, I'll know it. Here in your presence. I just want us to worship. See, why would I want us to worship? Because worship creates the atmosphere that we can hear. Remember what he said? Between the cherubims, over the mercy seat, where God's presence is. What did he say? He said, there I'm going to speak to you. Because when we come into his presence, there he can speak to us. That's, that's why, listen, that's why in worship many times, there will be prophetic words that will start to stir. Because, because... It's, it's in His presence that His voice starts to be heard. Amen? So let's just worship with this for just a few moments.